If you're here this morning, I ask you to turn your Bibles to the book of John chapter 15. And we're going to pick up where we left off last week in our series um, in, in the book of John chapter 15. One of the things as you make your way there, I'm going to remind you that if you are a first-time visitor or guest, or if you've been coming in recent weeks, but you've uh, not made Indian Baptist Church your home and you would uh, like to have some more information about that, what that could look like, I want to personally invite you to next Sunday night, the starting point dinner that we will have at 5 p.m. Again, you get opportunity to, to meet myself and hear a bit more about who we are as a church, to ask questions, and so it's such a great time to be able to come and, and join and be a part of that, so I'd love for you to be there with us uh, next Sunday night. But that being said, today we're going to continue in this series in John chapter 15 called Abide, where basically we're looking, what does it mean for us to walk with Jesus? And so with that being said, let's read these first, five, uh, first four verses in the book of John chapter 15. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, we're going to pause there this morning. There's a lot to be said in those first four verses, and we're, we're going to come back to some of that in the days ahead. But today, this morning, we want to focus specifically on the first part of verse 4, where Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. You know, last week we talked about who Jesus is. He said, I am the vine. And as we compare that to basically saying, what does it look like to walk in a relationship with Jesus? First, you got to know who he is. And then secondly, today, we're going to talk about what it means to answer Jesus' call to abide in him. you got to know who he is. And then for all of us here today, we have to initially answer that call to come into a relationship with him. But then perpetually, we have to continually do that as far as walking in greater fellowship and intimacy with him. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. Do you remember life before caller ID? How many of you remember life this morning before caller ID? That's the days when people would call your phone, which was a landline. That's all that was available at that point. And you remember before caller ID, it was always a mystery. You know, you answered the phone and you said, hello. You didn't say, what's up, man? Or what's up, GM? You know, because you saw it on their phone. You would say, hello. And the reason why you said hello is because you had no idea who was calling, you know. And you had to wait until they responded to tell you who they were. But do you remember how cutting edge it was when caller ID came out? Now, again, this is funny because for some of you who didn't grow up in that era, it was... To your landline phone, it was an extra piece of equipment. Do you remember that? You had to plug your phone line into this and then your phone into this little, basically, digital screen. And when people would call, it would pop their name up on that screen. And it was incredible. I mean, this was cutting-edge technology. I remember my brother and I looking at it and saying, how does it know? You know, there was, it, was, it was unbelievable You know that you could call somebody and it would show you. But what it gave you was the ability to do something that you had never been able to do before. That's pretty common for us here today. You could screen a call. You know, if somebody was calling your family, your buddy, your girlfriend, somebody you wanted to talk to, you could answer the phone. But if you looked at it and it was your crazy neighbor, it was some insurance salesman or maybe even your ex-girlfriend, you could just kind of let that go on down the line, which then, and we won't have time to get into that more retro technology here, then it would go to an answering machine, okay? Not a voicemail. It actually had a cassette tape in there. Again, that would blow some of our teenagers' mind away. We're just going to leave that alone this morning. But ultimately, the technology enabled you to make a decision as to whether or not you were going to engage with the person that was calling 
or not. Today, as we dive into this text, we will see an incredible invitation or a call by Jesus to his disciples and ultimately to all of us who are here today to abide in him. Every person who is a true follower of Jesus, who has entered into a relationship with him by hearing his invitation to abide in him, they had to at one point in time make a decision as to whether or not they were going to answer Jesus' call or let it go on down the line. Nobody here this morning is ever born a Christian. The Bible says that nobody comes to me unless the Spirit who I spend draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. So everybody who's a Christian, at one point in time, you got that phone call with Jesus. You heard him convict you of your sin and draw you to himself. Now, once you're in a relationship with Jesus... We continually have to answer God's call. It's not a call to enter a relationship with Him, but it's a call to abide in a greater relationship with Him. It's a call to have fellowship with Him, to hear His voice, to live in His purpose. And this is all important today concerning abiding in Him. And it's important for all of us this morning. So today, I'm going to attempt to answer three questions to help us answer Jesus' call to abide. Now we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So this morning, if you're keeping notes today, our first truth is this. Before you can answer God's call to abide in Him, we need to know who is Jesus calling. Who is Jesus calling? When we're talking about abiding in a relationship with Him, who is receiving those phone calls? Who's receiving that call from the Spirit? And to be able to do that, we're going to look briefly at the audience surrounding this text today. So as Jesus is writing, and John, or as John is writing this conversation with Jesus in John chapter 15, remember, this is just after the Lord's Supper. This is prior to him making his way to the Garden of Gethsemane, ultimately to his crucifixion. So we know that he is speaking to his disciples. This is the first uh, audience, the first immediate audience that Jesus is speaking to as he tells them to abide in him. So here in this passage, we know that Jesus is, address, is directly addressing his disciples. Those who are connected with him on a heart and faith level and have given all to follow him. Jesus speaks to the spiritual status of them in verse 3. He says, you are already clean. He's talking about the pruning aspect. He was saying, you are ready for God to use you. I have been at work in you. You are prepared. You are ready to be used by me. It's actually a pretty incredible statement. These men were prepared. Jesus is about to go to the cross. They are ready to be sent out. And he tells them to abide in me. So this text shows us that the call to abide in Jesus, first and foremost, is a call to those who are already passionately following him. Secondly, we know that Jesus is called to abide in him is directed at those who think they have a relationship with him, but actually do not. Now we'll talk more about this in the days ahead, but here in verse 2, as we see as later on in this passage, Jesus refers to people who are branches that do not bear fruit that he will take away. Now we don't have time to go into all this, but I want you to know this morning, these are not people who have truly entered into a life-changing relationship with Jesus at a heart and faith level. But these are those who are only connected to Jesus at a superficial level. This is, would be in our day and age, those who go to church, serve occasionally, maybe even give financially, but they don't truly have a relationship with Christ. The Bible speaks about these people regularly. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 through 23, He said, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, 
Did I not prophesy in your name, or cast out demons in your name, or perform miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. The fact that Jesus refers to such people so often in this text, in John 15, serves as a warning from him but also an invitation to such people to reject religion and to truly come into a relationship with Him. Think about this. He says, abide in me in the same context where He talks about a people who are not truly in Him. It's an invitation to those who are in a dead faith to come to know a living God. And then finally, we know that Jesus' call to abide in Him is directed at those who don't have a relationship with Him and don't suppose that they do. People who are far from God. Can I say something to you here today? I love far from God people. God loves far from God people. Here in this text, this John 15 is one of the I am statements. And like we talked about last week, all of these I am statements are invitational in nature. They are calling out to those who would hear to say, Come, abide in me. John chapter 1, verse 12, Jesus said, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe upon his name. I love the fact that God loves far from God people, that this invitation are to people like that. When I uh, graduated high school, I went to Wallace State up the road, and I had the opportunity to be the chaplain for the Wallace State baseball team. And it was a great opportunity. God really confirmed an opportunity uh, for me to, for full-time ministry during that time. And I remember I got to lead a guy named Brock to Jesus. Now, Brock was from Ohio. Uh, he was very far from God. In the culture there in his community, he had no, uh, no idea what anything about church. I remember inviting him to Easter. He had no idea what Easter meant. And uh, finally, one day at one of our Bible studies, Brock decided that he wanted to come to know Jesus. He knew nothing. He was far from God, but he knew enough of the gospel that he wanted to follow Jesus. And so Brock gives his life to the Lord. A few weeks later, it's, we're playing a ball game. It's in the springtime. It's 70 and sunny, and Brock's going to be our starting pitcher. And he says to me, hey, Zach, you got that real northern accent. Hey, Zach, you know. And he says, uh, hey, man, I, I, you know, I'm pitching today, and I was thinking about this whole follow him Jesus thing. And, you know, I don't really want to do it for me. I want to do it for Jesus. And so would you pray for me? And I'm like old cloud nine, man. I mean, I am evangelist number one. Call me Billy Graham. You know, this guy gets it. We walk down the foul line, we take a knee, and I pray for him. And, and, and I'm just praying that God would use him in my mind. And I'm thinking, wow, man, this guy gets it, this guy gets it. And he stands up after I get through praying with him. He kind of hits his glove. He says, Zach, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I, I'm going to go out there, and, and I'm really going to give it to him. But I'm, I'm very G-rating what he said right there, okay? He, he made a statement that was a, a, a little bit R-rated in that moment. But in that moment, I remember thinking, you know, Brock doesn't know any better. So, hey, Brock, I, I looked at him and said, hey, Brock, you go get him, buddy. You know, you go have at it. I love the fact that the gospel meets people right where they are. That the gospel meets people who don't know any better, who don't understand certain customs, who don't understand the law of God, but Jesus meets them right there where they are. So that being said, this morning, you may say, Pastor Zach, why... It's important for me to know today what it means to abide in Jesus, that ultimately that's a call to everyone. Let me give you a few reasons. First, this morning, the fact that Jesus' call to abide in Him is for everyone means that for those who know Jesus and have been walking with Him for a long time, those who are clean, as Jesus says here in this text, they still have an option to know Him and know Him more. 
So what does that say here this morning to all of us who are followers of Jesus? Maybe you've known the Lord for a long time. This invitation to abide in Him is the original context of those in the hearers of this text, the disciples of Jesus. Jesus is telling them, abide in me. What does that say to us here this morning? It says to those of you who are faithful followers of the Lord, he's saying that there is more to know in Jesus. There's more to grow in him. There's more to serve in him. There's more to experience of his love. There is more to Jesus here today to know about him. I had a faithful follower of the Lord, a friend of mine, who um, at his birthday, every year at his birthday, he would get away and spend some special time with the Lord. And his prayer was always this, Oh Lord, I pray that this next year I would know you better than I did the year before. Church family, I started that just a few years ago. And it is, it's been good to my soul that every birthday to recount the new things I've learned about Jesus. The new faithfulness of the Lord in my life. And then to go with expectation into that next year to say, Lord, if you give me one more year, let my greatest prayer be that I could know you more. The invitation to abide in Him is an invitation to all of us here this morning. Secondly, the fact that Jesus is called to abide in Him is for everyone means that for those who are walking in a dead faith or maybe don't really know Jesus, it means that He is calling them to know them in a real way and maybe even revive their heart and life. The invitation to those in a dead faith here to come and abide in Jesus is the fruition of what Ezekiel prophesied of in Ezekiel chapter 37. You remember Ezekiel 37 where God tells Ezekiel to go to the valley and look out and he sees a valley full of dry bones. And it's a spiritual illustration of the people of God in that time. They were people whose faith was dry and cold and dead. But God speaks to Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, I want you to prophesy over these bones. And it's one of the most, it's, it's some of the, the best preaching in all of the Old Testament. You can come and he speaks to these bones, and as he begins to prophesy over them, suddenly they start to shake. And as they start to shake, God starts to bring them together. It's kind of like Jerry Lee Lewis's song. It's a whole lot of shaking was going on in the valley. And God started to bring these bones together, and then suddenly they begin to grow to grow skin and sinew and flesh, and they stood up and the God spoke to the prophet again said, Now breathe into them the breath of life. And he spoke and prophesied to them that they would live. And God raised them up. And it was a picture that God was giving Ezekiel that he can be that who raises up a dead faith. Well, what Ezekiel didn't know is what he was prophesying about in Ezekiel 37 that Jesus was going to fulfill. That when Jesus would ultimately come to this earth and he would bear the sin of the world on the cross, that those people who were separated from him, who we could have no inheritance in the Holy Spirit, God could come and fill our hearts and lives and become real and at work within us. And I want you to know something here this day, this morning, church, that as Jesus says, abide in me, he's saying to every one of you in this room who your faith is dead and dry and your walk with God is boring and distant and old, that God says, I can still breathe life into your spirit spiritual life, I can still raise up the dry bones. Amen? And then thirdly, finally, the fact that Jesus is called to abide in Him is for everyone means that for those who are clueless about faith and following Jesus, God is inviting them to come just as they are. I love how over Scripture Jesus met people right where they are and He invited them to come. This is how Jesus found me. I was the first in my family to come to faith in Christ. I didn't grow up going to vacation Bible school, and I, very, I knew very little of the Bible. But when I heard the gospel, when I heard about Jesus, God called me to himself, and he saved me and changed me. 
I remember just a few weeks after coming to faith in Christ, I landed somewhere where I had to do a Bible study. And I knew nothing about the Bible, but I started flipping through pages and I finally came up with something. I was going to do a Bible study on Jacob and Eshua because I didn't know how to pronounce Esau. And I would say to you here today, that call to abide in Him is for those, no matter how far away from God you may be here today, that He's calling you to come. Who is Jesus calling to come? It's every one of us. It's every longtime faithful follower of Jesus. It's those who are in a dry, dead place in their walk with God. And it's those today who know nothing of God that are far and distant from Him. The call is for everyone. Come and abide in me. Secondly today, before you can answer God's call to abide in Him, we need to know what is Jesus calling people to do. First, who is He speaking to? And then secondly, what is He calling us to do? What does it mean to abide in Him? Now, here in this passage, Jesus uses the word abide, which is meno in the Greek. It means to remain or to stay or sojourn or to tarry, to not depart, to continue to be present, to be held continually, saying, hang on. I was reading that this last week, looking at the Greek of it. I thought about uh, one of my brother's best friends in high school, a guy named Jacob McCutcheon. Some of you may know uh, Jacob McCutcheon. And he was a little bit crazy. He's still a little bit crazy now, but he loves Jesus. But I remember in his annual, in their annual, their senior annual, it showed their senior picture and it had a quote underneath it. And Jacob's quote uh, was, when you get to the end of your rope, tie a knot and hang on. When Jesus says here to abide in me, he's saying remain, stay, hang in me. When we think of the word abide, we think of abode, a place to live or a home. In recent days, television shows, advertising campaigns, and even churches are using the phrase welcome home. And it's good because it's a reference to a good thing. A home is important. It's more than just a place to sleep. It's more than just a place to rest, to unwind and recharge. It's a place to live and abide. And when Jesus is saying here, abide in me, he's saying, come and be at home with me. I want to say something to you here today. You can have the most beautiful home in North Jefferson County. You can have the greatest flip. You can have the greatest new construction, whatever it may be. We're building a lot of houses in this community. Praise God for that. But I want you to say something, I want you to know something here today. That if Jesus is not in your house, then your house is just a house. It's not a home. We were created to be a people who find home in Jesus. So you may ask the question, how do I abide in Christ? How do I abide in Him? Let me give you four simple steps to answering the call to abide in Jesus. The first way to answer the call to abide in Jesus means you have to hear Jesus' invitation. You can't abide or come home if you haven't heard the invitation. This is very similar to what we just discussed a few moments ago, that this invitation is to everyone. I love how the openness of the invitation to abide in Jesus is seen all over the Scriptures. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The New Testament ends in Revelation 22, verse 17. We're almost right there at the very end of Scripture. We see the last invitation of the New Testament that says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let the one who hears, come. Let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. Now, there are many reasons here today that people don't hear God's invitation to abide. Don't hear God's invitation to come home to Him. Some of them could be, I'm too sinful to come to Jesus. Well, that's not true. The Bible says that it's not the, he didn't come to seek the healthy, but the sick. 
And so that's true for all of us here today. No matter how far away you are from God, He's seeking you. You say, maybe I'm too untrained. I don't know anything about the Bible. Nobody knows anything about the Bible until they pick up the Bible. What the Bible speaks to the world is it's a love letter to the world saying that I love you and this is where you begin. You may not know every next step. You just got to know the next right step. But wherever you are here today, you need to hear God's invitation to all of us to come. As I was preparing and studying this past week, I always preach my message to myself on Thursdays. It's a way to get it in my heart and soul. I was talking to Luke this past week, and he, I, I told him about that. He said, are you practicing? I was like, no, I'm not really practicing. That seems a little bit too performance. I'm saying, God, put it in my soul. Speak into my heart. And as I came to this place, I felt like the Lord just wanted me to say this for a moment. This may be for you here this morning. Some of you here today just need to hear God say, I'm calling you. He's calling you to come. You may feel like you're too far away. I want you to know something this morning on the authority of Scripture. Come. Take of the water of life without cost. Come to Jesus. This is how you start. You hear His call to come. The second way to answer the call to abide in Jesus is you have to leave the places where He's not. If I hear His call, I have to make my way towards Him. And in doing that, I have to leave the places where He is not. Now, most of us in this room, we can't really afford to have two homes. This is true. Some of you do. Praise God for that. I hope you tithe. <laughs> but, uh, the, uh, but if you... If you do, if you don't, for most of us, if we're going to move, what do you got to do? You've got to leave somewhere to go somewhere. You've got to sell a house to buy a house. And the truth is, is if you want to be where Jesus is, you've got to leave the places where he's not. And the reason why, you can't be in two places at once. I remember several years ago, I'm an outdoorsman. I was uh, living in, in Winston County in Arley, Alabama. It's right on the edge of Walker County, and I was pastoring there. I was just getting into turkey hunting. And if you know anything about the way the seasons broke down there, that the season comes in later in Winston County, but it comes in earlier in Walker County. And I had permission from a church member to go and turkey hunt on their property. But it was kind of an interesting thing. The property, they were just over the lake, over Smith Lake. So the house was in Walker County, but they had a Winston County address. And I remember talking to one of my church members about it and saying, you know, man, I think I can go hunt there now because, you know, if a game warden was to ask me, I could say, well, you know what, that, uh, that, that turkey, he gets his mail from Jasper. And my church, member, my church member looked at me and said, yeah, but that game warden may say, yeah, but he votes in Arley. <laughs> But the truth is, most of the time, we can't be in two places at once. And that's true for what it means abiding in Jesus. You can't be at home in Jesus if you're living in the world. The truth is that abiding in Jesus has always meant leaving something behind. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, No one can serve two masters. For either he will love one and hate the other, or he'll be devoted to one and despise the other. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, John speaks about this same concept where he says, Do not love the world nor the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In the same way, you wouldn't expect to live happily at home with your spouse if you had other lovers. We can't expect to abide in Jesus without giving him our sole affection or attention. Now, this is important today. You can't abide in Jesus and love the world. You can't abide in Jesus and be divided in your devotion. And the way to fix that today, the way to leave the places behind where Jesus is not, is the word repentance. Repentance means to turn away from. 
It's the first message that Jesus preached when he came to this earth. The Bible says in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Turn away and turn towards me. In Romans chapter 2, verse 5, Paul says that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. I love in how when Peter was preaching in Acts 3.19, Peter reminds us that repentance is what brings us into the presence of God. It brings us how to abide in God. He says, therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come, listen to this, from the presence of the Lord. Repent and return. And the outpouring of that is the presence and refreshing of the Lord. If you're unsure what it looks like for you to walk in repentance, let me give you one verse and explain this very quickly. In John chapter 16, verse 8, Jesus spoke of how the ministry of the Holy Spirit would work in the lives of His people to bring them to repentance. He says, when He, speaking of the Holy Spirit, when He comes, He would convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Repentance has four components to it. First, there's the conviction aspect where God shines a light into your soul. And once he shines a light into your soul, the second part of conviction is then that God then begins to reveal to you your sin. As God shines a light into your soul, you recognize your sin. You recognize the areas and places in your life where you are that God doesn't want you to be. And then he also begins to reveal to you his righteousness. Have you ever been at that place where you see your sin, but also you see the righteousness of God? You see God's standard, and you know very clearly that I am living in darkness, but Jesus is the light. God is the light. And then of judgment, He convicts concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He gives you the reminding you that you must leave the place where you are, thereby, uh, uh, unless you want to stand under the judgment of God. There's that call of, of God's judgment and His wrath. And so it brings you to desperation. It brings you to repentance. Say, God, help me. Here I am. Forgive me. This is repentance. It's a place of brokenness. Now, I'd ask you this morning, you may say, why is this important? And the answer is because you can't abide in Jesus without initial repentance when you give your life to Jesus. So you've got this is where we all begin. I can't run to I can't I can't go to Jesus if I haven't repented of my sin. But when I repent of my sin, I turn to Jesus. This is where we all begin. But then for those of us who are followers in Jesus, I can't abide in His fellowship. Now I can be saved. My eternity is secure. But I can't walk in the nearness of God without walking in regular repentance. I can be married to my wife and us be in full devotion, be in full fellowship, be completely married. But if I've done something wrong, I can be in the same room with her and she feel like she's a thousand miles away. Amen? Anybody else feel that? You know, you ever been there? The same is true in our relationship with God. Repentance is what brings us to that place. And church family, I want to help you this morning with that. Again, our prayer has been that during this series, during this John 15 series, that we would all walk away closer to Jesus. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Isn't that what all of us want here today? We want to be closer to God. We want to be closer in His presence. And one of the ways we do that is through repentance. The psalmist said, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Who will stand in His holy place? But he that has clean hands and a pure heart, who's not lifted up his soul to an idol, nor sworn by what is false. I may begrudgingly enter repentance, but church family, every time that I leave that place and my heart is full of the presence of God, I'm so thankful that I went there. And I would challenge you here today, I'm going to give you some homework. On these two little pedestals up front, on the glass tables in the back, and at the Welcome Center, I have this sheet. It's called a prayer for cleansing. 
And if you will go this afternoon, take one of these sheets and pull aside somewhere to get you a bag chair and go out in the woods or maybe pull aside to your study or go to a quiet place and do as Adrian Rogers said years ago, say, God, if I die on my knees, I don't want to get up until I've met with you. Walk through this season of repentance. Go on a repentance journey. Let God reveal to you any sin, any apathy, anything that's going on in your life that may hinder you from abiding in Him and then run to Jesus and let Him revive your soul. So how do we ultimately abide in Him? First, we've got to hear His voice. Secondly, we've got to leave the places where He's not. And then thirdly, we've got to go to the places where Jesus is. The picture of abiding in Jesus in this text is Him calling us out of the world and calling us home to Him, calling us to pursue Him. I love all the pictures in Scripture that show us when we pursue God, we find Him. The Bible says in James chapter 4 that if I draw near to God, what? He will draw near to me. I love the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. And his sin and rebellion ran away from his father. But then when God started to convict him of that, he runs back to his father in confession and repentance. And what happens? God welcomes him home. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 13 verse 44, it says that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid again. And over the joy, he goes and sells all that he has so that he can buy that field. It's that picture saying, God, I'm running to you. The Bible says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, that God is the rewarder of those who seek Him. If you want to abide in Jesus here today, here's a simple truth. You just got to run to Him. We will have as much of Jesus as we desire and as we seek and pursue. You may say, Pastor Zach, how do I run to Jesus? Let me give you a few practical ways to do that. Jesus spoke to the church at Revelations 2.5, a church that had distanced themselves from God, who had forsaken their first love, and He said this, Therefore, remember from where you are falling. Repent. There's that picture of repentance. And do the deeds you did at first. First deeds of abiding in Jesus are how we get back in a nearness with Him. It means start every morning by prayer and reading the Word of God. Meet with God. Church family, if you're not rising early in the morning to meet with God, or at least doing that in the evenings before you lay down, then you're missing out on who and what it means to walk in Jesus. Church, hear me this morning. Abiding in Jesus will not happen Solely on Sunday mornings. Secondly, sing and worship unto the Lord. Make some time to sing unto the Lord. Not just on Sunday mornings, but during the week. I love our staff here at Enon. The more I get to know them. And I love Miss Angela Hardiman. And one of the reasons I love about her is just an office down through the wall. Every now and then I will hear a song coming unto the Lord as she's working and just singing and praising the Lord in her office. Find time to sing and worship the Lord. Gather with God's people. This means on Sundays and in life groups, gather. Now there's going to be times again when we're on vacation and, and those things where we're just out of town. But if you're here, be here. And that's not subject to what's going on in life. That's not subject to what deer season it may be, what fishing season it may be. It's not subject to what happened on Saturday at the ball games for all of you lowly and weary of heart this morning. It means gather on Sundays. And it means gather in a life group. In just a few weeks, we're going to have a friend day on November 7th, and we are really pressing our life group leaders. This is an opportunity to get back in a life group. Church family, you'll hear me say this a lot in the days ahead. Inside the church, everybody doesn't, need to, everybody doesn't have to know everybody, but everybody needs to know some somebodies. If you are not connected in a life group, then you can't expect the church to minister to you in the way that it should. And also, that's the way that you're going to experience the presence of God 
It's through the body of Christ. Give financially. Again, first fruits, bring your tithe. Bring the whole tithe under the storehouse. And then go serve in the church and outside the church. Find a place to put your hands to the plow for the kingdom of God. These things bring meat and revival to your soul. And then fourthly, to answer the call to abide in Jesus, you just have to stay where Jesus is. Again, the word abide in many translations just means to remain. It means to hang on. If the devil would love to do anything here today, he would love to divide and distract us from abiding in Jesus. He doesn't have to make you leave your wife or get addicted to drugs or do any of those things offhand. He'd love to get you there. But one of the first things that he would love to do is just distract you from just meeting and enjoying Jesus. And why is that? Because people who meet and enjoy Jesus are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. They're going to raise and pour into their family. They're going to raise godly kids. They're going to engage their neighbors. They're going to share the gospel because when Jesus is full of your heart, you can't help but do these things for the kingdom. And so what is abiding in Jesus? It means that when you face distraction, when you face temptation, that you hang on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58 Paul said, therefore, be my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Steadfast, immovable. It means I've given everything to Jesus. I can go nowhere but Jesus. This is my solid ground. Several years ago, before I moved to Arkansas, my brother had invited me to come up and go duck hunting with him. I was not in great shape at that point in my life. I was newly married. My great-grandmother, about six months after Kimberly and I got married, went to visit her. And, and uh, you know, I, I remember she hugging my wife, and she said, Oh, y'all look so happy. And then she looked at me, and I'd put on a few pounds there. She said, And healthy. You know, so. But I went up to go duck hunting with my brother, and we had to, I didn't realize how hard that was. We've got waders on and just backpacks full of stuff, and we're walking miles into the woods. And I was like, Man, this stuff's for the birds. You know, I just, Finally, we came to a place, and he said, hey, take this little hook and put it in a tree, and you can unload all your stuff. I put that hook in the tree, and I hung all my stuff up there, and a few minutes later, my brother came by and said, hey, I think you'd be better if you moved to that tree. And I said, I can't. He said, no, I think you'll, you'd see more ducks. Or No, no, I'm, I'm not really, I can't. He said, what do you mean? I am so exhausted, Kyle, I can't leave this tree. <laughs> I mean, the Lord could come back today, and you will find me at this tree. And the truth is, That same principle works with with Jesus. Is that if I have found a tree where I've unloaded my load, and it is the tree called Calvary, I have casted my load upon Him. I've casted my cares upon Him, and I cannot be moved. That has to be your heart and your desire in the kingdom of God. So you've got to hear His voice. You've got to turn from sin. You've got to run to Jesus. And once you get there, stay with Him. That may mean some mornings your prayer time, you're not singing heaven came down and glory filled my soul. Sometimes you're just doing it. Sometimes you're being faithful unto the Lord. Sometimes you're serving the gospel because God told you to serve the gospel, not because the Lord gave you a dream or you feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to you in that moment. Sometimes it just means faithfulness. And if you do faithfulness long enough, then God moves in faithfulness. And sometimes faithfulness leads you to the fire of God. And then thirdly this morning, I'm going to ask Jason and the guys to come back. For us to be able to abide in Jesus this morning, you've got to hear his call. He's calling to all of us here today. He wants to do a revival work in hearts and lives this morning. He wants to speak into our dry, dead faith sometime. And for some of you this morning, he wants to call you to himself. 
But lastly, this morning, before you can answer God's call to abide in Him, you need to know why should you want to abide in Jesus? Abiding in Jesus is a free offer from Him, but it does take us cooperating with Him in order to walk in it. We must repent. We must seek and pursue God. We must remain and be steadfast in the day of temptation. Some may ask the question, why should I go through all of that? And Jesus answers that for us, the latter part of verse 4. Jesus said, abide in me. Listen to this, church. And I in you. Abide in me. And I in you. What an incredible promise here today that Jesus says, if I make my home in Jesus, Jesus is going to make his home in me. You say, Pastor Zach, why do I know that I need to know that today? Because I think all of us recognize that we need God to abide in us. This is what we were created for. If you're here this morning, you're far from God, but you're empty. That's God creating with you and you a desire for Him, a longing for Him. I remember when my kids were little, we would get them them big puzzles that have maybe just two or three puzzle pieces and they would try to figure out what piece matches what hole and they'd get frustrated and sometimes throw the things. But when finally they would find that one matching hole, they'd find that piece that fit together, the joy, they'd look at you, they'd laugh and they'd cackle, they'd show it to you, they figured it out. And why? Because sometimes certain things just fit. And I want you to know something here today. That if you're not abiding in Jesus, if you don't know Him here today, then you're missing out on that which you were created for. Jesus fits in your heart and life. You need Him. I've, I've got a statement that's been in my soul for a while now, and I've looked at it all over Scripture, and I believe that it's theologically true. I believe that no, I know that loving Jesus is, in some ways is going to be harder for your life. There's ways that you may endure suffering. But I still believe this to be true, though. Jesus says the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life, that you may have it more abundantly. I believe this to be true this morning, that life is hard, but it's harder without Jesus. And this morning, that invitation to abide, he said, if you'll abide in me, if you'll come to me, I will abide in you. Not only do you need that, but it's incredibly good. When God is at work in your heart, it's so good. His leadership, His protection, His voice, His direction, His blessing, all of it is just good. And He's inviting all of us to come here today. This morning as we prepare to close, I just I want to ask this question. Is God working in your life? I mean, really. Is God at work within you? Is He at work within you to the level and extent that you know that He desires to be? Or in this morning, maybe you're walking with Jesus, but there's something in you that even right now cries out and says, Hey, there's more. There's more of me. I want to use you more. I want to speak to you more. I want to walk with you closer. If you're hearing any of these things here today, we've talked a lot about revival in recent weeks. What is revival? Revival is the working of God among His people. And it starts with us abiding in Jesus. And today in this room, I want to start first and foremost, if you don't know Jesus here today, you may have religion, you may come to church, but you don't really know God. Or maybe you know, you know, maybe you know that you don't know God. Wherever you are here this morning, 
If you want to know him, I want you to hear this today. On the authority of Scripture, he wants to know you. He's inviting you to abide in me. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment between you and I. If you don't know Jesus this morning, the Bible says that as many as received him, to those he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe upon his name. You can leave here today as a child of God. Would you call out to him right there where you are? Maybe you'd say, dear Jesus, I don't know you. Maybe you're watching online. Say, dear Jesus, I don't know you. But I want to know you. I believe you died on the cross for my sin. And I believe that I'm a sinner. So I want to follow you. I give my life to you. Save me, Lord Jesus. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you this morning and you ask Jesus to save you, I'm not going to embarrass you. This is going to be totally between you and I in these next few moments. But if you ask Jesus to save you, I just want you to do something very simple. I just want you to look up at me. It'll be between you and I. Just make eye contact with me. And you can look back down. I'm surveying the room. Amen. 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 Others in the room here today, is that you? Say, Pastor Zach, again, again, this is between you and I. Say, I ask Jesus to save me this morning. Just look up right now. Just keep your eyes on me just for a moment. Amen. Anybody else in this room? This is what I'm going to encourage you to do. If you ask Jesus to save you this morning, praise God, by the way. I'm going to challenge you to do this before you leave today. You could take that little blue card of the seat back in front of you. Just give me at very least your name and phone number. And you can mark on there, I gave my life to Christ today. Or maybe you've done that in recent weeks. And you can put that in the connection box as we leave. If you came with a family member or a friend, if you're a teenager or an adult, maybe look at your spouse and say, I gave my life to Jesus today. Or again, as we close here in a few moments, I'll be up front. Our pastors will be up front. I'd love for you to come down. You can share that with one of us here this morning. We'd love to pray with you and help you to take those next steps. The second invitation this morning is for those of us today who are followers of Jesus. Would you be bold enough here today to say, Pastor Zach, I am going to pursue Jesus today. Maybe you'll take one of these repentant sheets with you and put aside an hour to go spend time with God today. It's just, this is Sunday. It's the Lord's Day. Go spend an hour with Jesus, just you and Him. If that's you here this morning, you say, Pastor Zach, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go spend time with Jesus here today, and I'm not going to leave until I've met with Him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, just look up at me. Amen. Amen. Eyes all over the room. Amen. Amen. Well, this is what I'm going to invite you to do. Start that journey right here, right now. Start it now as we sing these last few Words to this hymn, let this be your anthem and your prayer. Start that pursuit even today. Would you stand? Father, I ask in Jesus' name, would you give us courage and boldness to respond in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need somebody to pray with you, our pastors will be available. You feel free to come as we sing here today.